Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, October 2nd. I am your host, Cheats. I want to start before I go any further by just thanking each and every one of you for listening to the show every other week on WRIR and those of you who catch it on iTunes or SoundCloud. We really appreciate your support and all your comments and feedback that you send to the Cheats Movement at gmail.com. I really, really appreciate it. Gigi Broadway, I'm speaking for her. She's not here right now, but we really appreciate it as well. We have a wonderful episode for you today. My good friend, Robin Varzad, who is the host of NPR One's Full Disclosure, is our featured interview. We talk all things Kavanaugh confirmation. Uh, Robin is one of the most smartest, wittiest funniest individuals i know and he has just such a unique take on american democracy he has such a unique take on what's been happening with the kavanaugh confirmations so robin is our featured interview he also has a wonderful event that is scheduled for october 18th for anyone listening in the richmond area it's all about the midterms 2018 it is october 18th he's going to tell you all about that so stand by for a wonderful featured interview with Robin Farzad of Full Disclosure, NPR One's Full Disclosure. Got a couple other things that we want to talk about as well. I give you a little bit of feedback on the Carter Five, Lil Wayne's new album, my uh, take on kind of Lil Wayne's latest, long-delayed, highly-anticipated album, the Carter Five, so that's coming up. There was a report that just came out yesterday regarding richmond public schools the report's headline is not very good obviously richmond public schools is in a tough spot they're digging themselves out of a hole but i'll tell you a little bit about why i'm optimistic in regards to who we have as leadership of richmond public schools so that is coming up i don't know if i have time to get into everything else but you know there's kanye acting a fool there's bill cosby going to jail There's Tiger Woods coming back and winning a tournament. There's a bunch of stuff going on in culture. There's a bunch of stuff going on in Richmond. So I really appreciate each and every one of you for rocking with the Cheats movement. And we're about to get into this show. But up first, as always, Dipset. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, October 2nd, which means a new edition of the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats. As always, you can contact me via email at thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. Please, please contact me. Email me your questions. Email me your comments. We always have a lot going on, so make sure you follow the Cheats Movement I am in the studio solo once again this week. Unfortunately, my co-host Gigi Broadway is not in the building. We've got to get her back. The The emails, the calls, the questions, people are like, where is Gigi Broadway? I know. I know. I, I'm wondering the same thing, and we got to get Gigi back on the show. I'm not wondering. I know where Gigi is. But we got to get her back on the show because we have a lot to get to before our featured interview, which is Robin Farside of NPR One's Full Disclosure. We're going to be talking to him a lot about what happened last week in Congress, 
the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. That is a big deal. It's by far the big story of the week. I don't know if I'll have time to get to it individually one-on-one because there's so much stuff going on. couple things I want to hit with you, and I'll just kind of make it really quick. Obviously, there's Tiger Woods, there's Bill Cosby, there's Kanye West, there's Brent Kavanaugh. There's a whole bunch of things. Lil Wayne dropped an album. It got me on a whole rant on the hip-hop side, whether the Carter 5 is the best Carter album in the whole 5 series. I actually jumped out the window and said that Lil Wayne's Carter 5 was his best studio album. Then I had to go back. I got so much pushback on that online that I had to go back and listen to all 5 Carters. I did that. Uh, I will tell you, Carter 5 is not Lil Wayne's best studio album. I've got to give that award to Carter 3. But Carter 5 is a very, very solid album. I did listen to a lot of Lil Wayne over the last 72 hours. Some of it good, some of it bad. Lil Wayne knows how to make hit records. He's he's a mixtape god. He is amazing on features and every once in a while he'll catch that smash whether it's a milli or something like it content wise after 72 hours of listening to Lil Wayne I can tell you straight up I've had enough of Lil Wayne for a little while I will listen to the Carter 5 I think there's some really really good songs I like the song that he did with Snoop I like the Swiss Beats produced song um he did he I like the song that he has with his daughter Ray Jane so Carter Five is out. Long delay. If anybody follows hip hop culture, you know uh, how meaningful that is, and what Lil Wayne has been to hip hop in the last you know ten years or so. You got to check it out and let me know what you think about the Carter Five. I want to jump into first and foremost because we did get some breaking news that just came across, uh, just came across the internet yesterday. So. It just came across the internet yesterday. It is actually not that great of a story, but the headline out of the Richmond Times-Dispatch is Richmond Public Schools had the lowest graduation rate in Virginia this year, new state data shows. It goes on to say, this is an article by the Richmond Times-Dispatch written by a great writer, Justin Manningly. He does really, really good work, so follow him uh, on Twitter. I'll give him a shout-out because I really do follow a lot of his work. Uh, just three in four city seniors graduated on time this year, a rate of 16 per, a 16% points below the state average. So I'll repeat that again. Just three in four city seniors graduated on time this year, a rate 16% points below the state average. The city's rate is also lower than last year's figure, which was the second lowest rate in the state. One in five city students who started Ninth grade in 2014 has dropped out, and this is according to data released Monday by the Virginia Department of Education. The new superintendent who's been on the show, I actually like Jason Camrus a lot, had the following to say about the report. This data is not a reflection on our students' ability. It is a reflection on our failure to provide them with the education they deserve. He goes on to say, my administration is committed to changing this once and for all, Every young person in Richmond Public uh, for every young person in Richmond Public Schools. He's saying all the right things. The article is in the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, we knew that Richmond Public Schools has a long way to go. Um, we want them to go in the right direction, as always. 
we want all of the surrounding school districts to go in the right direction. And locally, that article does touch on Hanover. It does touch on Henrico. Um, Hanover schools are, are doing amazing as a group, as a body. Hanover was the only school district in the area last year to have every school fully accredited. I'm reading from the article. Uh, this year, it had the highest graduation rates. Uh, Henrico uh, is where I live, and I my sister just uh, emailed me today with her concern about Henrico Public Schools, but this data is actually showing a positive outlook, which I'm excited about. Uh, Henrico County, the school system's graduation rate grew 1.2 percentage points this year to 92.3%. Henrico's dropout rates also went in the right direction, moving from 62 last year to below the state average at 5.3% this year. Uh, Henrico saw the biggest gains in regards to graduation rate uh, and, dro- and dropout rate. So that is positive. Uh, Henrico has some great, great schools. Uh, you know, Glen Allen High School graduated on time, uh, which was just amazing. 99% of students who started high school in 2014 at Glen Allen High School graduated on time. That is great. So I would encourage you guys to check out the report in regards to our region schools. Again, long way to go in Richmond public schools. Jason Cameras, I will say this about him. He knows this. He is aware of this. He is saying the right things. He is active. He's active in the community. He's active on social media. And when you're turning around a situation like Richmond Public Schools, it is not going to happen overnight. You need the right people doing the right things all the time. And I do think uh, Jason Cameras is committed to doing that. Will that, how that manifests itself will not be a slow process. This is a multi-year process. Obviously, you want to move in the right direction every year. But it is something where I believe, as of right now, and he hasn't given me any reasons to prove otherwise, he is someone that is uh, aware of the challenges that he will face moving forward. Um, And I do think Richmond Public Schools is in uh, a good position with uh, Jason Cameras leading the way. Hopefully, we'll have him back on the Cheetah Movement in the in the near future. With that said, there's a few stories that have been just dominating my newsfeed. They've been dominating my social media. They've been dominating my conversations, and none of them have been good. It's either Bill Cosby, Kanye West, or Tiger Woods. Pick your poison, ladies and gentlemen. Pick your poison when it comes to what we really can get into, and we don't have very much time. So I'm going to pick Bill Cosby only because I need Gigi Broadway here beside me to talk about Kanye West. Whenever I talk about Kanye West, I need a counterpoint. Gigi Broadway serves as that counterpoint. She is not here today, so I will not talk about Kanye West and the latest madness that he did at SNL and all this stuff on TMZ afterwards. So we'll leave that to when Gigi comes back. Tiger Woods is one that really seems to be that one that I only care about. No one else really is as bothered about Tiger Woods as I am. I'm still very much bothered by Tiger Woods. No matter how many golf tournaments he wins, no matter how great of a golf player he is, I have a unique take on Tiger Woods that bothers me, I think, more than most people. And it's and, and it's 
without getting into too many details, it, it has a lot to do with expectation and what I expect of Tiger Woods, and he's never delivered on that. So I will save that for another day. With that said, I will my my salient point would be just because you win golf tournaments doesn't make you a good person, and I still am not convinced that Tiger Woods is a good person. Moving on with that to somebody that we know is a horrible person, and that is Bill Cosby. So I will talk briefly about this. Bill Cosby was just sentenced last week to three to ten years in regard uh, in prison. So he's in prison right now in Pennsylvania, not too far away from Philly where he lives. And what what can you say about this? Over, I think it's sixty women. The count has been sixty women that have been accosted by Bill Cosby in some inappropriate sexual way most of those cases truth be told the statute of limitations has already run out so bill is only getting tried for i think things that he's done recently he's been uh making inappropriate advances and going as far as i mean just flat out rape sexual assault and those types of things since the 60s he is now finally been caught and tried and and put on trial and the only thing i will say is that it's sad in an extent because the character that he played on television was such an upstanding character that is not reality the reality is that bill cosby seems to be a very horrible person uh and there probably is not a suitable punishment in regards to what he actually deserves in regards to how many lives he's destroyed with that said, people come out of the woodwork to defend things that they know nothing about. Uh, and, and you can say the same about me, that I'm attacking something that I don't know very much about. Uh, I know enough that 60 women came forward and accused him uh, with very solid proof of inappropriate action. That's enough for me. I don't need much more than that. So, with that said, Bill Cosby is getting uh, three to ten years, and I just got to be frank, it it doesn't seem strong enough in that regard. Um, I know people have different opinions. You're welcome to share them with me. With that said, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be with Robin Farside from Full Disclosure on NPR One. Back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Our featured interview is brought to you by 804 RVA, one of the best places in Richmond to co-work. I am very, very excited to have my good friend here in the studio as our featured guest, Robin Farzad. He is the host of Full Disclosure on NPR One. He is also the author of one of like I, I can I call it a best-selling book? It's definitely a, a great, uh, great body of work. Hotel Scarface has been out for about a year now. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I'm excited to have you because I remember. I don't know when it was. I can't remember exactly what hearing type con- congressional hearing type event it was when you actually hosted a viewing party. What was it? Do you remember what it was? 
a viewing party. It was like everybody get together. It had some of our favorite people involved, whether it was Samantha Willis or Tressie, and we all got together. It was like, oh, yes. let's get together and watch something. We're watching some hearing or something going on at a, can't remember at a what bar that was. no longer exists on, on Broad Street. I can't remember like what that. hearing it was, but it, oh. it got me thinking because of this last week, obviously. So this last week, just an amazing uh, display, if you can call it that. I don't know what you call the Kavanaugh hearings in Congress, but it was something remarkable. I'd never seen anything like it. What is your first reactions when you think of the Kavanaugh hearing? I was in D.C. actually doing some NPR work on that day, and it was overcast and rainy and misty everywhere, and it definitely had a feel of, of um, how do I say it? It's like a funeral. There was a pall cast over the city, uh, something we've, we've definitely lost. We might have suspected it in the past that it was a, it was actually a partisan body of the government, but this actually put it out in your face. And the, the back and forth and the heartbreaking testimony, to my mind, of Dr. Ford and going up there and, and spilling her guts. I mean, if it was a you know CIA inside job or a con job, it deserves every Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony in history because it... It devastated me when she talked about them laughing and either you believe them or you don't. And that's the challenge, right? In regards to there's a number of challenges when you talk about the hearing and the process. And we'll get into some of the stuff that kind of rubs America the wrong way, but I'm sure rubs you the wrong way as well. But when it really boils down to it, it, it's does it bother you that this position, the highest court in the lane, really boils down to a he said, she said type scenario? I just look back at who he's replacing in Justice Kennedy, and yes, that was after the Bork fiasco 30 years ago, but he was ratified by a Senate vote of 97 to nothing, and that's in a Democrat-controlled Senate under Ronald Reagan. You know, in an election year where Mitch McConnell said, no, you're not supposed to have these things happen in an election year. That was the the Merrick Garland precedent. And um, I was always, I subscribed to Civics 101 in the seventh grade that this stuff is supposed to be above the political fray. But I actually go back to the 2000 election. I think that's when that Rubicon was crossed and they decided to intervene in you know, Gore and Florida and Bush. And that's when I think that taboo was shattered. So when you look at what happened last week, um, what disturbs you the absolute most? It was, is it the kind of the partisan nature of politics because it was on full display when you looked when you looked at the hearings, uh, Senator Grassley, whether it was Senator Grassley or of of course obviously the display that Senator Lindsey Graham made, um, and then on the other side you had uh, senators that may be running for president and Booker and Harris uh, that seemed very just there just seemed to be no common ground. Uh, how did we get here? Is it, it? I mean, because we look at it and we kind of associate this hyper partisanship with President Trump. But is that kind of how you saw we get here, or was it before that? Yeah, the thing that disturbs me more than anything else, believe it or not, is is one word: privilege. And I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, I went. I was a public school, high school kid who went to uh, an Ivy League school twenty years ago, and I thought that it was a meritocracy. And even though I was on financial aid. You know, very quickly I realized that there are people here who were pre-pledging SAE and Deke for the longest time and whose fathers went here and whose grandfathers went here. And it was all about getting a gentleman's B or C. And certainly this is an accomplished 
person who went to Yale and law school and whatnot, but there is more than a patina of privilege uh, that if he indeed did engage in these kinds of acts that I think would have gotten other people expelled or, or gotten them demerits, you know, frat boy behavior. I just remember in college freshman year, this is what campus public safety would take care of. If they saw you passed out or if they sent you to the hospital to get your stomach pumped, you know, blackout drinking or reports of sexual misconduct, my impression was that it would always be swept under the rug and not escalated to the county police. And that's what that's the taste that, that leaves me um, hurting more than anything else in this. I will say that Donald Trump is the president and he has the Senate and he has the House and it's his right to nominate justices to the Supreme Court. Put all the stuff aside that happened that Obama was thwarted in his final year and the Senate just got up in front of him and, and that's master tactician Mitch McConnell. But Donald Trump has the right to do this. I just think from a kind of a win-loss, uh, a cost-benefit analysis, why not just put in a non-controversial median conservative that's stamped by the Federalist Society? Well, they did. I mean, Neil Gorsuch is an example of his first... And he wasn't fought. And he, he, he was, you know, opposed by the majority, of, I guess, of Democrats or people that were concerned about conservative justices. However, this didn't happen, right? At this point, we're now at... I don't, I don't know how much you legitimize some of the accusations. Uh, however... We're at, by my account, four uh, individual women that have had some type of accusation against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, which, again, for people that will say, oh, this is going to happen to anyone in 2018, I was like, it didn't happen to Neil Gorsuch. It just, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, people may have forgotten because it was definitely not a... Do you think Me Too emboldened that? Because none of these people firmly stepped forward uh, during his uh, ascent up the judicial... I mean, he's a federal judge. He was a prominent figure in the Bush White House and the Bush recount. So I think uh, other women are more likely to step forward when somebody else jumps over the bridge first. So Dr. Ford, who made it very clear that she had, I guess, made her anonymous note prior to him being selected. He was just a name on the short list that was enough for her to send the anonymous note to either the Washington Post or Senator Feinstein, one of the two. might have been Feinstein first. Um, And I think what happens is, and I do think that this is emboldened, if you will. Other women to step forward. Yeah, it emboldens other women to step forward in combination with the idea that they might actually get hurt. You just mentioned um, when you were kind of going through school that the idea was that these things would be swept under the rug. That is a very, in my kind of limited opinion of it, right, that's a very scary image for women that even if they step forward, nothing happens. And so I do think that the era um, really produces more women to be willing to step forward, but it still needs to be that. There always needs to be some person that goes over the mountain first. That's true. And I think Dr. Ford, in this sense, got to a point where she was – you know, you could look at the hearing and tell that she was in agony. It was not something that she would have wished upon herself or her family, uh, but she felt bold enough to step over the mountain. And I didn't. I think when that happens, other people, other women, feel more comfortable. How is it not immediately spooked, Murkowski and Collins? You think there was ample evidence? Crumbs left over the past two weeks for them to say, "You know what? I'm out." Well, that's a good question. 
I mean, is Mitch McConnell the, that convincing? Is I he think, that coercive? I mean, you know the Senate. I well, no. The question I would turn back and ask you, because I'm really interested to know about it, is uh, how come this alone isn't enough? Whether it's whether it's not the allegations, even the judicial temperament that he displayed during the hearings, is something that I think would give more Republicans than Murkowski and Collins and Flake reservation, right? So it's. It is interesting, and you bring it up. It's just it seems as if the Republican Senate, um, outside of you know the two women senators that everybody's looking at, and a retiring senator that seems that everybody's looking at, seems to be completely in lockstep. And that I just I don't understand. In a Machiavellian the way, there is something about Mitch McConnell. He has whipped the party into shape, and I will tell you that the Democrats have nothing like him. Last time they had a majority leader was Harry Reid with a black eye, right? I mean, no, it was a <laughs> metaphor. Know. It was a metaphor for the I party think, and Chuck Schumer. Right. I think you're right. You know, Chuck Schumer effectively telling some people that you're free to vote your conscience, like telling McCaskill and other people because they know it's an election year. And what's worse, that you lose someone like a McCaskill in a Missouri, or you know, one of these other people like Heitkamp. The Democrats, I think, are in far worse shape now than the Republicans are, even though the, the, the blowback could be far worse for the Republicans. Look, you're saying that there was plenty to spook enough like-minded people but look what happened in 2016 the access hollywood tapes the various people step forward you could look at donald trump's wife ivana and the allegations she made in the book and that would have discredited people i mean gary hart had to drop out in 1987 1988 because donna rice was caught sitting on his lap on a yacht in aventura florida i mean another dude lost the supreme court bid was at ginsburg because of marijuana smoking i got to tell you that the the line has moved uh, 50 yards and I think the line moves a lot with President Trump, right? The election of President Trump, I think, moves the line, and I don't, I don't know if you can ever move it back. That I mean, how do you foresee uh, the Senate, which is supposed to be the more civil body? How do you, how do you foresee people moving forward in the wake of what happened last week? And they still, I mean, we're so let's be clear. We are in the middle of an FBI investigation that was with a big asterisk. It's with not a, a big asterisk, right? That is a catalyst of Senator Flake, who is retiring. But we could be really back at this a week from today. We could be right back in the same spot, and you know, Kavanaugh could be confirmed. And there's going to be a lot of a lot of broken eggs. How, how do we? How and do you? How, how do forward? you think those are going to break? Do you think that women are going to descend on DC with pitchforks again? I mean, they did after Trump was elected. You need to impeach him. You need to have a two-thirds Senate vote to remove him. I mean, Clarence Thomas, if you go back and look at the 91 hearings and how people treated Anita Hill and the allegations they made, you know, scorned, crush, and all this stuff, it's pretty amazing that Clarence Thomas, and he was a, you know, he was a mediocre judicial resume. <laughs> but, you know, Bush was given the pros to put him in, and he had a lot of blue dog Democrats that kind of rubber stamped him and put him in. But... That guy is now the longest-serving Supreme Court justice. I saw that stat today. Can you believe that? I can believe And you can't remove him. It's like an enormous tree stump. You cannot come in. And, and actually, the, the thing to me that you know Trump has very likely two years left on his term, and it seems like, if, if anything else, the next person to retire will be Clarence Thomas. Let me ask you this, because you brought up Thomas and Anita Hill, and I'm fascinated about the comparisons between, I believe it was 91 and last week. And one of the things that stands out, and, and I'm fascinated by by a cultural standpoint and a race or a race standpoint. 
because one of the things that stood out to me about last week in Dr. Ford's testimony, one of the things that I think made her extremely believable and extremely credible was the emotion she showed when testifying, the emotion she showed, told, showed when retelling the story. I think back, I was, I was much younger, but I think back to the Anita Hill hearing, and Anita Hill, calm, composed, almost like a, almost like a stone, right? And I remember thinking at the time, as a black woman, she had to do that. She had to be 100% professional. She could not show any weakness that they could categorize as a woman being emotional. And I fast forward it to last week, and I was taken in thinking like, that's exactly what Dr. Ford had to do. She had to be emotional. And the only difference that I that I kind of put in my mind was the perception of what a black woman has to do, even in 1991. But he, I don't know if it would be much different in 2018. The fascinating interplay to me, and it happened two, three weeks ago, if you qualify Kamala Harris as an African-American, was their interplay was when the prosecutor looked at him and said, you sure you don't remember who this attorney is? You sure you don't remember this affiliate? I am telling you, look into her eyes, and that's a person who's in a real bind. She cannot afford to be the Lindsey Graham kind of, you know, hurling invective at the witness type person, you know, fire and brimstone. That is a, that is a huge bind. This enormously respected senator is looked at as a potential 2020 candidate or vice president. She has to be measured and she has to be really carefully prosecutorial around him to say, like, look, I can I can fight you on intellect alone. I don't have to bring it. I don't have to invoke race. I don't have to invoke tears or any of these things. I'm so sad by all the double standards people are measured on. There's there's a glaring amount of them, right? Well, could you imagine if 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 an Amy, if a if a Klobuchar started pounding the table like Lindsey Graham? By the way, I do want to kind of understand where Lindsey Graham comes from. If he truly believes that this is a uh, a hit job against the guy. And he feels wrong because, as he said, I voted for Sotomayor. I voted for Kagan. You could go look back at, at the RBG uh, you know, confirmation hearings and Orrin Hatch is saying, you know, well, I certainly don't agree with you, but I'm going to vote for you. There was a comedy. There was something there in the past that is completely gone. You know, not, somebody not be lucky anymore. to get 51 votes on this. And I am so sad about that. I'm so sad um, you know, my children are going to be of, of, of uh, you know, grade school civics age soon and that we have to explain this to them and then it's going to be out there in the future. Think about, yo, think about, you know, in the AP test 40 years from now, the AP government test or history test, there's going to be a database question about the meaning of boofing. I mean, what the heck? Have we really crossed that? You know, not. we're thinking about I the teapot not. dome scandal and Watergate and everything. And that's like G rated compared to everything here. Go back to the double standards you bought up. You bought up just now, though, because I wanted. I do want to get your opinion on Robin Mitchell. Was I mean? Was it worth having? Was it worth the Republican senators on the confirmation hearing to have this woman prosecutor ask the questions because they would look. It would optically look bad if old white men were asking the questions. Yeah, it's not like they brought in a a, a sworn. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not hired by anybody. I had input and, and full full reign by anybody else. And at certain times, they kind of pulled her question and almost silenced her mic. Well, they and did. It, when they felt it, Kavanaugh was doing well, they from cut a, her off. From a Machiavellian right. perspective, if he ends up getting confirmed, and it looks like there's a more than even chance of that, then it was a worthwhile ruse. I hate to define things as cynical, but I think history is going to judge this. I think history is going to go back 
and that picture of him, that that prep school, you know, the Georgetown prep thing. Do we already two? The last two nominees are from Georgetown prep. You know? Do you know what? Do you know what blows my mind, Mark? What blows your mind? What do you think the requirements are to become a Supreme Court justice? I don't know. I there are none. <laughs> I actually went to the Supreme Court website last night. There are none. I swear. I could. I could get my uncle in Iran who worked like as a rug merchant. And teach him English at Kaplan. I swear, there's no citizenship requirement. There's no age requirement. There's no high school requirement. There's no college requirement. I guess you just have to be an up. You could it doesn't say anything about your criminal record. Well, don't you have to be a judge? No, nope, no, nope, you don't have to be anything. Oh, because they just use those cases. As now you would think you have to be a Harvard or yeah, Yale yeah. Yale Law grad, sure. and it's become this elitist form. But actually, you could people laugh about Judge Judy and anything. If you are a standing sentient human being, you can be a Supreme Court judge. So let's I put, kid you not. Look that up. Let's put a bow on this and just let me ask you two weeks from now. There's no bow on this. You're going to spray this with Lysol. This is a <laughs> this is a nasty fe- – it puts a nasty feeling in my stomach and I'm sad. I'm sad for the world. Two weeks from now, what are we looking at? Are we looking at a confirmed uh, Kavanaugh or are we looking – like are, we, are they going to pull him and we're looking at a whole other thing? What, two weeks from now – and what do we learn from all – what in regards to like you were saying civics and – kind of what do we learn from this display of this confirmation process privilege pays there's status in society that inoculates you from everything his privilege was being judged and his privilege was backed by many other privileged people there um to the point that a person can come out and spill her guts and make herself emotional i mean what did she have to lose and what did he have to gain in lying i think the the skeptic sam harris came out and said that I always have to reserve that part of my head that says that there is a possibility that this is one enormous X-Files type scheme and, you know, it's a Black Mirror episode, but I just I just can't see how someone like that acted. And I believe that there's, again, at this point, much more than an even chance that he gets confirmed. The voice that you are hearing is Robin Farzad. He is the host of Full Disclosure on NPR One. He is also the author of Hotel Scarface. You have a big event coming up on October 18th, Robin. You are hosting. You're, we're flipping it around, but you are hosting an amazing event on October 18th that's geared towards the midterms. Why don't you tell us about it? Ace the midterms at the Virginia Center for History and Culture. October 18th, one night with a special RVA mashup feast and Belle Isle cocktails. Are they going to have to scratch that from RIR because it's an... No, yeah, the, the board op there is too busy bottling kombucha or something. He doesn't know we're going to have to scratch that part out. No, they don't. That, so, believe me, quality assurance. It don't... <laughs> Tell us about. I love WRIR. Tell us about Ace the Midterms. Ace the Midterms is an event where we are bringing three distinguished correspondents from Washington to the Virginia Historical Society, now called the Virginia um, Center for Culture and History. Evening of October 18th, we'll have Jeff Bennett, White House correspondent from NBC News. We'll have Nancy Cordes, the chief congressional correspondent of CBS News, and Rick Klein, the political director of ABC News, talking about this big election of our lifetimes. You know, we're in the Virginia 7th where I live. Everybody's talking about Spamberger versus Brat. Uh, the statewide campaign, um, uh, Kane versus the, you know, the Confederate apology. What's his name? Stewart. Stewart. And obviously everything up for grabs in the wake of this Supreme Court in, in Broglio. So it's a great night to do it. Um, I used to do these shows at the Hippodrome. We've now outgrown them. So I like to do like a more nimble Richmond Forum type thing, like a poor man's Richmond Forum where I give you a good meal. Young people get together. They feel like they're learning something. You're feeding them. You're feeding their minds, feeding their souls, and, and you leave better for it. It's an apolitical event. Uh, there will be 
candidates there and whatnot and, and hobnobbing people from D.C. and the networks. But I'm excited for it. Well, so when you look at the 2018 midterms, what are you looking for? What do you what's the big top of the line national story the day after Election Day on 2018? I kid you not, African-American women. I just remember from that Alabama lesson, stepping forward if, if, as if women haven't been aggrieved enough. And African-Americans, oh, you can't call it monolithic in the wake of Charlottesville and everything that's happened with civil rights pullback and the ACA repeal attempted. You saw that example in Alabama where if, if, if people show up, if there's true turnout, if they can get jazzed about a midterm, which has been far easier said than done for the Democratic base. Or any base. Or any base. <laughs> right. you know, I'm thinking Andrew Gillum in Florida, which was a real shock in the primaries. Uh, and then I think about a situation like Virginia where you have – uh, you know, Tim Kaine running against uh, Stewart. And I'm wondering what the upside is for the GOP to have somebody throwing red meat at, uh, you know, the Confederate apologists and everything. If that stokes African-Americans to come out and vote up the ticket for Democrats, I mean, that's not the smartest thing. You're also defending lots of seats. You know, there's, there's Charlottesville, there's Coburn, there's Northern Virginia. I think the House very certainly could end up in Democratic hands. And I would not discount the possibility that the Dems take the Senate. I think that this Kavanaugh thing was a was an overreach, especially if he gets confirmed. There's going to be uh, there's going to be a pound of flesh that I think women are going to want to take out. So you mentioned African-American women. There's a national narrative of a lot of women. You mentioned uh, Spanberger in the seventh. He's been on the show before. Fascinating race in regards to uh, her background and what she brings. Uh, you've heard a lot about uh the young lady in New York, Alexandria. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah, I don't, you're gonna say, Cortez, right? Uh, and there's uh, the there's a couple other African American women too that were on. Uh, Stacey Abrams comes to mind sure. in, in regards to her election in Georgia, Georgia and Florida. Race in Georgia. I think are enormously Gilliam in Florida is an African American man. So you you mentioned I think Jealous is an African American man in, a male in Maryland that's, that's right. running for as a governor or Senate. But it's a it's an interesting. I do think the what you mentioned. So it's kind of, I don't want to categorize it, but I'll categorize this non-white males. <laughs> I think the, that's going to be the story uh, of the midterms and to see how much the country has changed uh, demographically and voting patterns because a midterm is one where it normally doesn't bring a lot of energy. 2020, the presidential election will bring a lot of energy, I think, based on who is on the top of the ballot. And that's a whole nother category. But October 18th, you're going to have all of these distinguished pundits, if you will, come. You're going to be the host, which they can't pick up. They can't have a better host than that. With that said, an event like you're, you're, you're building, a live event that you're building on October 18th, there's been just such a discussion ever since the Trump administration about the role of media and how we kind of um, cover whether it's politics or civic issues or cultural issues, what responsibility at this point do you see media playing as we go into the midterms and as we go into the you know, 2020? Tell the truth, report vigorously on all sides, and let history judge you. I mean, all these people I remember in my short reporting life that were afraid about reporting the perils of the Iraq War and the buildup to the Iraq War in 2002 and 2003 and Freedom Fries and the Dixie Chicks freaking out. History judged them correctly. You might have been afraid of Don Rumsfeld at that time. But have your eyes on that true north. 
what are the history books going to think about me? Where, where, what does my gut tell me is right and is wrong? I mean, Brett Kavanaugh, if he gets confirmed to the Supreme Court, is always going to have this massive red asterisk on his forehead. You know, it's like it's like Barry Bonds and the doping scandal. I mean, if that's the price of you being up there, uh, you know, it is a permanent position and he could well have it for 30, 40 years and take out revenge on policy like I think Clarence Thomas did. Um, that's one thing. But I think the country has to learn these lessons. I can't get out of my head how, and this is germane to the question you asked, how successful Barack Obama was as a candidate in 2008 and 2012 in getting all the disparate Democrat coalitions to show up and vote for him resoundingly, but how awfully he whiffed on the midterm elections. I mean, the Democrats broadly hemorrhaged more than a thousand seats in state houses, governor's mansions, and then that led to you know the redistricting and everything else that happened, and, and Mitch McConnell was playing the long game. And it's really hard for the Dems to build that back up. Very hard. That's that's like a 10-year plan. And I don't know who runs the Democratic Party right now. I don't know who the standard bearer is. Is it Bernie Sanders? Is it Chuck Schumer? I mean, Ocasio-Cortez, does she have any love for Nancy Pelosi? I mean, it's if you ask people on the street, who's in worse shape right now, you know? That's an interesting point and a point we're going to have to wrap it up. Robin, thank you so much. Before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can follow full they can follow you. They can listen to Full Disclosure. And if they want, we didn't get to it, but they can buy a copy of Hotel Scarface. And give us the the, the five-second pitch on Hotel Scarface. Hotel well. Scarface is the hotel and disco in Miami that inspired the movie Scarface. It's where the cocaine wars crashed into the sexual revolution and the Cold War. And uh, you could check out the show on iTunes at FullDRadio.com. Nothing but love. Thanks so much, Robin. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We will be back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our episode for today, Tuesday, October 2nd. Big shout out to my good friend Robert Farzad from NPR One's Full Disclosure. He has a wonderful event coming up on October 18th. It is Full Disclosure Presents Ace the Midterms. That is October 18th at the Virginia Museum for History and Culture. Tickets are available right now on Eventbrite, so make sure you check that out. Robin has got some amazing correspondence, and they're talking all about the midterms 2018. Another exciting programming note, mark your calendars for November 11th at the Institute for Contemporary Art at VCU. The Cheats Movement on WRIR will be doing a live broadcast, our next live podcast in front of a live studio audience at the ICA. More details coming on that very, very soon. Saturday night, another programming note just for those hip hop heads out there. Make sure you check out Legends Never Die. Southfall Battle Coalition presents one of the best rap battles of the year. My good friends, Radio B, Bravo, everybody over there at Southpaw. It's going down Saturday night at Strange Matter. Make sure you check that out. Tickets are available on the Strange Matter website. Music pick. The music pick we talked about a little bit earlier. It's Little Wayne Carter 5. Make sure you listen to the Carter 5. If you're a Little Wayne fan, Young Money, Cash Money fan, he does deliver on this album. Again, I don't want to go back into it. It's not the best Carter album, but it is a very solid album. So a lot of new music coming out. Make sure you check that out. And last thing I'll say before we get out of here is I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a very special little man is having his birthday coming up real, real soon. 
His birthday party is Saturday. That little man is my son, Cameron Cheatham. So, Cam Jam, happy birthday. Richmond, until next time, we see it.